Jesus is excellent. Hey, continue to put your hands together for Bishop Robert Hooks. Praise him. Let's say, man, for this choir. Wow. Y'all do got some heat up in Alaska. What a blessing. What an amazing blessing, their work and their labor. Let's give them another God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Come on. Let's really give them a, come on, show them some love. Praise God. Are y'all glad to be here this morning? Look at somebody and tell them I'm glad to see you. And then tell them it's glad to be seen. Can I have some monitor? Some monitor here. You may be seated if you would. The Lord is very wonderful. He's very, very wonderful to, of course, Pastor Daniel, who happens to be an amazing, amazing young man. Love him with an incredible testimony, of course. And Pastor Josh and my new found friend. I'm so grateful that the Lord really gave me his name in the spirit. Pastor Donahue. Let's say amen for Pastor Donahue. Yes. <laughs> Actually, it's Pastor Bruno. I've been messing with him. I love Pastor Bruno. He's a, and uh, Pastor Trent. And uh, you all don't understand. Don't worry about it. Um, it's so good to have our dear pastors from all over the place that are pastoring, and, and that's a lot of labor, a lot of labor of love. And how many of y'all appreciate these pastors? You know, I know you appreciate them, right? Now, I don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time on this morning. I, I have, want to make sure I'm out of here and done quickly. Pray for me. <laughs> We're going to do our best. Listen, I want us to go to John real quickly, the eighth chapter. Pastor, again, thank you for the invite of being here. It's been amazing. I'm always glad to be with you two anyway. Y'all are, they're, they're quite special. Uh, is, these two right here. I don't know what to do with them. Anyway, I love them very much. I'm so grateful. And of course, if... Uh, if uh, Dr. Morocco is watching, um, if he's seen any of this, I uh, just want to say thank you for your vision, for your love, and your apostleship. Um, Kings, it, it's, it's a great ministry. I don't have to tell you that. And um, I'm honored to be a part of the fellowship and the love that they share. Some people talk about love and you never see nothing. You know, I just kind of go like, what, it, what do you mean? But they demonstrate love. And they're not um, just talking about this. And I, and I love them for that. John, the eighth chapter, I want to talk to us real briefly. Um, I'm very concerned about several things. One of the areas that I'm extremely concerned about is watching so many of the people of God suffer unnecessarily. I mean, it's... And I don't mean suffer because they don't have food stamps or money or don't have a car. They're having to take the bus. And I'm, I'm not, that doesn't really get to me that much. I mean, it gets to me, but it doesn't, that's not the thing that really bothers me. 
I think what bothers me more than anything is to see so many believers inwardly suffering the mental anguish. It's just, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, people that have perfect jobs, houses, and they're blessed and they know they're blessed, but they're, they are perfectly inwardly harassed. And it's a continual thing that is from one Sunday, they're okay, then during the week, it's going through hell, they can't hardly wait to get to church the next Sunday so they can get something else, a fix or something to keep them going. And that's not the norm for believers. Your victory is never meant, God's never meant to give you some weekend victory. You understand the point? And so I'm, I don't know if you understand where I'm coming from, but in California, I'm dealing with a lot, a lot of people that are perfectly mentally harassed, harassed. And a lot of it is uh, stemming from their belief system. There's something going on in their belief system that is weighing them the other direction. How many believe God give you total victory? No, really, I'm serious. Like if you've been saved all, you know, for many years and you're still worried about if you're saved, you've been saved all these years, but you're still worried about if you're saved, I hope I make it in. You, you go like, this is not a probation. I mean, he's not, he's not, he didn't save you because you was all that in the first place. You understand? So he didn't save you because you were right. Back in the old days, they used to say, let me sanctify myself before I get saved. Kind of like, that's weird. That's not the really way it happens. He saves you because he loves you. He didn't save you because you were precious. You became precious because he loved you. He didn't save you because you were valuable. You were valuable because he loved you. His love makes you precious. His love makes you valuable. So it's really important that we begin to understand the love of God for real. I don't mean that some of the grace message that we're here or this love that is sloppy, agape, it doesn't matter how you live or whatever. That's crazy. That's crazy. I'm talking about real biblical foundation on who God is. God is love. Will you say that, please? But it is our different definitions of this love that is kind of strange, you know, because people use that I love you really loosely. You know, I love my shoes. I love my dog. Oh, my God. Girl, I just got my nails. I love my nails. I mean, they got, they love everything, you know. I mean, you, you know, they love everything. They're, you know, walking the house. I love that. I love that, too. I love that. I, love, I mean, you, so we, we use that really loosely when we say I love, you know, you, you know, you know, you know, so. God has to help the church refocus on what it means to be loved by him. And he must help us begin to value the fact that we're loved like for real, completely inside out. I mean, like for real, gangster love. Yeah, the kind of love that will rain on your, on your party. The kind of love that'll meet you at the club. That kind of love that will jack you up. Yeah, the kind of love that won't you, let you sleep in sin and let you live the way you want to. That kind of love. There is a side of love that will mess you up. And I'm not talking about shenanigans. I'm talking about there's some love that will mess you up. Tap somebody and say, oh my, my. Yeah, welcome to church, people. God bless you. Bless you. Welcome, welcome. So it's like, it's really major that if we don't get that answered, I'm so concerned about people kind of losing it because people are really trying to find this eternal happiness 
and finite people. They're looking for love. They're looking for an infinite love in a finite person. You kind of go, that's weird. Because, you know, people want to be happy all the time. That's a big deal. That's why they rob God and steal their tithing and don't give and don't come to church when they want to. You know, they want to follow Jesus every now and then. They want Jesus to be their weekend lover. Hello. And got time. And if you do come to my house, Jesus, stay out of my bedroom. You can stand the dent, but leave everything else alone. They don't understand the force and the power when you talk about the love of God. Do you understand? So what happens is they find themselves even redefining what God's goodness is. They can't really identify the goodness of God. They can't really identify it. To them, God is good when God gives them everything they want. Girl, I prayed. I said, God, give me four new tires. And boom, there was. I said, Lord, I want a van, a white one, white, a white fan, Jesus. Boom, there it is. I said, Lord, give me a ring. And the Lord put it around my finger. Give me a man. He gave me five. <laughs> We're tripped, man. We're tripped. So when God gives us everything we want, then we consider that to be love. God, well, he loves me. How do you know? Because he gave me this. Ooh, but you don't understand the love also says no. As a matter of fact, if you got married, walking down that aisle said no to everybody that wanted you. Other than the person that's standing up here. You want to say amen? <laughs> okay, so, you, you know, you understand. Love says no. When you, says, when you say yes to your wife, that same love that says yes to her says no to every other woman. You want to say, am I in the right place or what? Okay. Some of y'all looking kind of strange. Love also says no. Love also says don't. Love also say, you better not. You think I'm kidding. Ask your wife. You show better. You know, love is not always a yes, yes, yes. You understand? So some people define the love of God. God loves me. And if God doesn't do what we want him to do, God must not love me. Why God giving everybody else? You know, I don't get that. I don't get that. You know, I've been, I've been, I've been single for 40 years. And I asked God to give me one man. And, and, and their Sister Rose, she done had five of them. I can't get one. Love never seeks to please you. What love does is seek to save you. And some of us don't need to be saved from demons and imps and pimps. Some of us need to be saved from us. Smile, please. Even if you don't like me, just grin. Just show your gates. Just, just our gums. Just show. Smile, though. Don't, don't look mad. Don't be mad. So what God does, he begins to move in the church to stand and to be a beacon for who God really is. And I'm concerned because even some of the young people, they really have the wrong definition of what love is. And I'm concerned about it. So people losing their mind, running around trying to be happy. I want to be happy. I'm, make me happy. You, I mean, you with somebody trying to get happiness out of them and they ain't happy. Just make me, you know, I'm 14. How come I can't be happy? I want to get married. They think marriage is going to make them happy. They think, I just give me a boyfriend. I mean, are you serious? Really? I mean, sir, you got young men walking around talking about that they're men. They're 14 years old. They smell like, they, look, they smell like 14 underarms. I mean, they don't even know what the deodorant it is. I mean, you don't, seriously? You think you're a man because you got some peach fuzz? That's not how it works. Smile, you guys say something, please. You know, 
talking about he's ready for the world, won't clean his room. I mean, he, his, his, his socks look like boots, boom. I mean, he can't even put them on, he just jump in them. I'm ready. Am I right, Pastor Donahue? I'm right. So what God does, he has to use the church to showcase this amazing love. But when you're seeing the breakdown, the mental problems that are happening within the church, we need to be concerned about that. Not just have church over it and have unhealthy people that's just walking around halfway there. God wants you to be healthy. He loves you enough that he wants you to be healthy, mentally stable, knowing who your God is. He has no interest in you walking around looking halfway dizzy all the time. Please say amen. Don't look at me so mean. I mean, I ain't even read my verse. So here's the key. Here's the key. When they left Egypt, when God freed them from Egypt, there was one feeble person there. They left wealthy and they left healthy. I'm concerned about the mental and spiritual health of God's people. You're not supposed to come to church to make the preacher look good. And the preacher is not supposed to be some preacher at preaching to a bunch of Christianettes. Your, your responsibility, first of all, is to God, depending upon him. And we come to fellowship to hear the word of God, sound doctrine. In the Greek, it means healthy doctrine. That what you hear actually is health to your bones. So it bothers me when you see people in church older than dirt. They've been in church all their life and they're unstable. They have no stable praise. They have no stable direction. They're kind of in and out. You know, you always have to call and see if they're coming to church. How do you feel? How do you feel? When people ask me how I feel, I tell them I feel with my hands. Hello? But I mean, Pastor Josh taught me that. So, you guys are funny. So, I want to talk to us because I believe that, first of all, this drive to be happy has given some of you the, the wrong idea of what love is. Always wanting to be happy. If you're trying to get married because you want to be happy, you're going to be jacked up. You will never read a verse that says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother's house and marry a woman and be happy. That ain't what it says. <laughs> If you're marrying to be happy, read my black lips. You're in trouble. I'm just telling you. You're not getting married to be happy. You better be happy before you get married. I'm, you, you get it? I, I, you know, so funny. Every now and then, I sit on and talk to somebody about marriage. I get in my message a minute. You talk to them, and it, you know, I only got like 20 minutes. But you have to come to the next service. So anyway, so every now and then, I get a chance to sit on and talk to them, and they say, "Well, wh why do you want to marry her?" Well, you know, because women love different than men. You know, they love different. Well, I, well, I love her because, man, you know, first of all, she's fine. <laughs> Second of all, she can cook. Man, she keep a clean house. I mean, man, the other woman that I had, man, look, I ain't kidding, man. I felt like I, ooh, I would knock on the door, man, and when it opened up, it'd be a rope saying, can I take your coat? <laughs> she don't have no issues like that. You know what I'm saying? She cleaned the house. I'm, I love her. And he really believes he loves her. She gives him all of the reasons to love her, right? You ask the woman, why do you love him? And she'll just look at him and go, well, 
I just do. <laughs> Women love different. They translate love as trust. Sisters, you better say something. I won't talk no more about you. Just, no. So when they say I'm in love with you, they're saying I'm in trust with you. They yield their emotions and their feelings and they, they feel safe around you. And when you break that trust, you break their heart. But even that is pale in comparison to the love of God. God's love is I ain't got to trust you. I know you well. I know you're going to jack up. <laughs> I know you're gonna mess up. I mean, really. I mean, he he has prepared for you to mess things up because he knows. He knows one day you're gonna be walking around and you're gonna be just going, have a good time. He knows that you're gonna mess up. So what his love has done, it prepared for those that mess up. Look at somebody say he's talking to me. And he was, listen, he was so prepared for it that before there was a foundation of the world, he had already had a, a lamb that was slain. He knew you was going to jack up. He, look at somebody saying, yeah, he's talking to you too. Don't be looking at me like that. Because his love is not based on how much he can trust you. The greatest need that God has, God doesn't have a need of needing your money or needing something that you can give to him. The greatest need, the only real need that God needs from us is the need that we need him. We need to recognize that we need him. That's his need. Look at somebody and say, oops. All this time you thought God needed something in your pocket. No, no, no. You Listen, God don't need your offering. You need to give that. He doesn't need your service. You need to give him your service. You don't have to. You get to. So what God does, he begins to deal with us to bring us into a biblical definition of what love really, really is. And in the book of John, the eighth chapter, one of the things that gets me, he says this, and it's mind-boggling to me, because this is just after they had found this woman caught in adultery, found her. I, I don't mean they saw it in the paper, seen it on the news, they read about it, Carol, did you hear? No, no, no. They actually caught her her in the act and snatched her out of the house sheet on her and that's all there is and threw her down didn't tell her get some clothes on no snatched her out threw her at his feet Jesus and said now the law says we need to kill her modern day language she gonna die <laughs> Jesus in love didn't get up and dispute with him he just knelt down and wrote some things. Love knows how to write, just like it knows how to erase. You know the story well. Before long, of course, everybody split. He stands up and says, no, the first one of y'all without sin, you cast the first stone. Y'all know the story. Jesus warns us, and now don't do this no more now. I ain't going to be around all the time. <laughs> some worse going to happen to you. I'm sure you won't be at my feet. It'll be outside of the gate. Don't do it no more. The idea is understanding his response to the need of people in their worst state. Love is not always looking for you in your best state. To be honest, we don't have a best state. We all have sinned and come short. Tell somebody, hello, shorty. We all have come short. But what love does is so mind-boggling to me because love has a need 
to reveal to you the need that you need him. And so this is what he says. He says, thank you, pastor. He says this. He says, if you follow me, I want to show you the contrast. If you follow me, you follow me, here's what's going to happen. You won't walk in darkness. That's what I was going to read. Follow me, you won't walk in darkness. That's cool, isn't it? Follow me. Now, that doesn't mean you sit at home and watch TV and think that's it. I watch watching TV and I ain't got to go to church. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Nothing against Paul and Jan, but he's looking for activity with you. Because you know, some of us, if somebody heard our feelings, I'm just going to go to church, hear the word and leave. Go to church, hear the word and leave. I don't, mm -mm, look, the last church I was at, they hurt my feelings. I just, even now, I just, just thinking about it, just, mm, just thinking about how they, just the thought of, I told myself I'll never trust nobody again. I'm not going to. How you doing? I gotta go. I got they, that happened 20 years ago. 20 years ago, and they won't let love heal them. You'll be surprised the people that resist love, real love. So what God has to do, He has to begin to take the church and help them to really, from a biblical perspective, have the right definition of how great, how awesome His love is. I'm telling you right now, many of us right now, you're not suffering because you lack anything other than the fact that you lack the real definition of the love of God. That's why some of you are kind of like, you know, in and out and you kind of, you know, you're just you're 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 walking on the fence. You you won't just really jump in and say, yes, God, because to you, love is something that in biblical in terms of biblical theology that it isn't. You're looking at love through the father that left you, your father. Oh. You're looking at love through the woman that, that abandoned you. You're looking at love through a child that maybe have died. You're looking through love from the eyes of a widow. You're looking through, why, if, why, would, this, why would God let me go through this? Why, why all of this pain? If God loves me, then what's the problem? Why can't I be happy? Our love can't even begin to compare with the love of God. Lift your hand up and say, God, thank you for your love. This is why he says you got to follow me. You don't want the darkness. You don't want the dark thoughts. You don't want the dark ideologies. If you don't want it, I'm telling you how to get out of it. I'm the light. Follow me and you will not walk in darkness. Follow me. I need you to participate. I don't want you to talk about it. Talking and walking is two different things. I need you to come alongside of me, participate, have fellowship with me, and I promise you I'll deliver you from the darkness. It's really that simple. However, for us, we have a problem with it. We have a major problem with it because some of us, we want a little Jesus and a whole lot of us. Little word and a whole lot of me. Mm-hmm. Look at somebody saying, mm. You guys are funny. Y'all are like crazy in Alaska. So what does God do? He begins to really, really show us. And some of you are going to be shocked to discover that God in his infinite love has been trying to rescue you and arrest you and deliver you. And the whole time you've been thinking it was anything but his love. Things that he canceled. Made sure that you detoured around things that would have took your life. Made sure that some kind of way you found yourself here in this church. How did I get here? 
How does anybody get to Alaska? God made sure that out of his love that there would be a man that would come and preach and have a prophetic conference. That there would be a visionary all the way in the beautiful, on the beautiful island, hallelujah, of Maui, where it's heat. (laughs) Then have some guys from Dallas, Pastor Donahue, and (laughs) you guys, it's a joke. So all of his love, he's prepped things for you. It's not accidental. It's deliberate. So now let me get to this and I'm done. If you want to hear the really message, you have to come to the next service. You can stay if you want. Here's the idea that I want you to understand clearly. When you think about the love of God and how far it is in the natural realm for us to really know God, I got to tell you, he gives us this. You have darkness, you have light. And the only way that you're going to be delivered from darkness and the only way you're going to have fellowship with light, listen to this, you have to follow. Let me say it again. There's a pattern when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What he's saying is, I'm the way, I'm the path. I'm not bringing the truth, I am the truth. I'm the revelation of all truth. If your hand up and say, thank God. I'm the way, the truth, then he says, I'm the life, right? Here's the idea that I want you to hold dear to your heart on today because some of you are suffering right now because of things that have happened to you when you were younger. Some of you can't love your husband the way you really want to because of something you've gone through that really, really devastated you. Some of you can't really love and enjoy the fellowship, beautiful church, beautiful ministry, hundreds of people. Love God, love you, and you can't even enjoy the setting. As a matter of fact, some of us are living out of the pain that happened to us many, many years ago. And you have to remember, sorrow doesn't have a conscience. So you don't have to be there to feel the pain. You can be completely away from the situation, completely in a whole different address, and just the thought of what happened, sorrow has no conscience. Just the thought of it takes you into a pit. So God makes sure that he creates around us. He gives to us the setting. He gives to us, ladies and gentlemen, the matrix to free us from the stuff that have had us bound. Some of you right now listening to me, God has been looking for you to surrender to him for a long time. Some of you have surrendered to other lovers, but you've never surrendered to this kind of love. This kind of love will set you on the right track. It'll make you into a real husband. This kind of love will teach you how to love your children, love your wife. This kind of love. This love takes a boy and turns him into a man. This love. This love will stop you chasing tails and get you chasing the cross. This love will cause you to zip up that golden zipper of yours and act like you got some sense and live right. I'm crazy, huh? But I live in California. And Pastor Josh told me to tell it just like that. (laughs) You were there upstairs. And Brother Donahue said amen. 
This kind of love challenges you to get rid of the dark lifestyle and everything. This kind of love will rescue you. It's perfect love. It needs no help. You can't perfect this love. This love is so amazing. We were talking about atmosphere. Listen, because if you understand anything about God, you need to understand this. God doesn't need anything that you do, anything that you can give for God to be God. He's God by himself. The only atmosphere that God needs to bring his word to pass is himself. I promise you that this love is not based on what you do. It's not based on how you live. It's not based on whether you believe or not. God is love before you and I was even born. God was happy. He didn't need nobody to make him happy. I used to hear crazy stuff. People preach stuff like this. Crazy. Well, the Lord, you know, he's seen you would be a prophet or he's seen you would be. God, what are you talking about? That meant that God would have to depend on your existence to be who he is. He didn't call you because he saw a skill or a gift he called you was sovereign his choice he's the one that chose to take you out of the pit he's the one that chose to take you and turn your life around that's the God that we serve that's the love that we have that's the confidence that we have that's the joy that we have that's the salvation that we have that's the security that we have God is everybody say he's love therefore there is a side on God's love listen ladies and gentlemen that's the reason why I believe with my whole heart some of you that are suffering and you're dragging around and you have this idea that God is mean sitting on the throne with a bullwhip waiting for you to do something wrong so he can give it to you that's not the God of the Bible the Bible said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son it wasn't that he got love from the world it wasn't that the world was so good to him it was his love for the world God so loved the world that he wrapped himself in fresh and came down and gave his life no man took his his life it was not the nails that held him on the tree it was not the beatings on his back I'll tell you what held him on that tree it was love that held him there that same love exists today is there anybody in this place that can shout right now and thank God for loving you he loves you loves you oh yes he does and he calls us out of darkness and says this is the way you can overcome the darkness you're not going to overcome the darkness by sleeping with a darkie you're not going to overcome the darkness by out there nightclubbing you're not going to overcome the darkness by smoking a little sick of weed you've got to turn your back to that junk and follow the light and if you follow the light I promise you you will be delivered from the darkness I dare you to shout now I dare you I dare you I dare you to I dare you to shout shout Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of love will make you change your walk. Come on, Pastor Donahue. Come on, Pastor. Let's do the walk. Come on, I'll teach you. some pep in your step it'll have you looking forward to God's best this kind of love will make you jump it'll make you praise because you understand nobody can love me the way he can nobody can hold me the way he can nobody can speak into my spirit the way he can I want you to celebrate his love right now all over the place open your mouth and celebrate it
celebrate it. All right, sit down, we're almost done. People ask me, well, why in the world do you preach and travel? Duh. <laughs> this kind of love will put you on a journey. When you have confidence in this love, it doesn't matter what people think about you. When you have confidence in this love, you know your suffering is never in vain. Because you know love will deliver you. See, understanding this, what happens is you're stable now. You're not worrying about trying to be like everybody. Some of you haven't been you for so long, you don't know who you are. <laughs> Always trying to be like everybody. Trying to dress like everybody. I, I mean, let's be honest. Some of you are so afraid of what people think about you. You live your life centered around what you think they're thinking about you. I wonder if they think I'm a good preacher. Who cares? <laughs> Win the loss. Amen. I wonder how good my sermon is. Duh, who cares? <laughs> Win the loss. Fall in love with love. And love will set you free. God has been dealing with some of you right now. Some of you singles. You on the internet looking for dating sites. I just, I'm so tired of being alone. I'm so, you know, you just, 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 just. And now you done gave somebody you don't even know all of your information. Your personal life. They know where you live, how much you make. They sent you a picture that they were six feet four, strong, 225 pounds, solid muscle. And you know that that boy that looked like Gomer Pyle. <laughs> and you on the, you're sitting here looking at this woman and she make you, she's making you think that she looks like Whitney Houston. So now you meet her at the restaurant and you walk in. She's taking off her false leg and her false teeth. <laughs> Throw a wig out and say, here I am. Here I am right here. <laughs> you put your trust in a system. Impatient, won't wait on God. Because God will say, if your gift is marriage, God will send you a husband. Stop. <laughs> Some of you mad because who told him my business? <laughs> I see that face. I saw that look like mm, I'd be so glad when this service is over. If you get up and leave now, I'm going to make everybody look at you. <laughs> so just sit there and bear it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why do we look for infinite love in imperfect people? Why are you trying to get somebody infinite to love you perfectly? It is too much pressure on people. Some of you have put so much pressure on people. I mean, even coming to church, I'm closing, I got three minutes. Some of you come to church looking for the church to meet all your needs. You come in looking for a place that is worthy of your presence. Uh -huh. So you come in basically looking for a reason not to come back. Because that's not how the body of Christ runs. We're here to show you his love. Why would you want to trade his love for my love? Because my love will get frustrated and slap you. 
my lover drive me to preach on Boaz. Don't, 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 and don't. No. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that dog fight. They're trying to get me in trouble. But why would we get upset because people don't love us the way God does? Why are you trying to force your husband to love you perfectly? It doesn't make sense because he can't. He can't love you perfectly. How come you ain't like my daddy? Because you ain't like my mama. I'm sorry. I should have said that. That was that's wrong. But it felt good. It felt real good. You get it? People get upset because you don't love them. And look, I, when she asked me for 20, I gave her that 20. I didn't even tell her to pay it back. I mean, she, you know, she lied anyway. But that ain't the point. But I gave her that 20 and now I need five and she won't give me a nickel and I gave her two dimes. I will never help her again. Our love is going to fail. Let me say that to you again for those of you that think you're so perfect. Our love is going to fail. But there is a love and there is a light that he says, if you follow the light, I'm going to show you what real love is. And some of you, listen, some of you are young and beautiful. You have stab wounds in your heart. You're precious. Some of you may have suffered abortion. Some of you may have suffer, suffered rape and molestation. You're going like, what? How can God love me? That's man. Job said it right. He said, if you're righteous, you're, you're righteous in the man. Real simple. In other words, whether you're right or not, it doesn't affect who God is. So what you have to do is turn and abandon that false love and say, God, now look, you said if I follow you, if I follow you, that means not only do I come out of darkness, I no longer walk in it. And some of you, I hate to say this, I love you. No, I kind of like to say it, but I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Come on, we're friends, right? I love you, you love me, happy family. <laughs> Stop following stupidity. Yeah. I'm crazy, huh? She didn't say yeah, and then she's going. <laughs> So when we pray, when we pray, second part is second service. When we pray, I want God to heal some of you that have been addicted to the wrong love. Love is not sexual communication. You don't have to send a bunch of text pictures and that foolishness. That day is over from the day on. And I feel something strong in here that God is wanting to deliver some of us. And God is saying, if you follow me, I'm going to do it. Lift your hands up quickly. I have 60 seconds. I'm sorry. Hands lifted. High as you can. Like you're under arrest. Ushers, get their wallets. <laughs> Pastor Daniel told me to say that to <laughs> me. 
I ain't scared of y'all. I got Pastor Donahue to get me out of here safe. Hands up. Why they're lifting. I want you to be honest. We have just 60 seconds, but your life can change in a moment. One moment, your life can change. Stand up. He's going to heal you tonight. I have 60 seconds. Will y'all pray with me? Lift your hands up. Lift them up. You, his wife, stand here quickly. God is going deep, sir. He's going to uproot some stuff deep. There's been a call on your life since you was just a young man. You tried to walk away from it. It's time for you to return that heart back to God in a way that he can use you effectively in the way that he wants to. His hand is on, he, there's a training, there are things he wants to take you through so you can really, really surrender. I'm telling you, it is very powerful what he wants to do. You don't have to worry about being alone and being dropped somewhere like you were in your past. Are people saying a bunch of stupid stuff about you? You get rid of that frustration. You're going to have to focus. I'm telling you, there's a preach in you. There is a word in you. Stop running. Stop trying to qualify yourself. God has already done that. You need to simply surrender. And when you do, he's going to heal. Your marriage is going to change. Things are going to happen. It's frustrating to live with a man that has a call on his life sometime. But it really is God. He wants to heal you too. You hear me? Father, in Jesus' name, we trust you, we believe you, and we thank you. Bring deliverance. May he say yes. And those of his loved ones that are not here, they're not here, they're not here. All of the stuff he's trying to handle at one time. Um, deliver, God. Just bring deliverance in the name of Jesus right now. Jump on your feet everywhere. Come on. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Get up, get up, get up, get up. Throw your hands up in the name of Jesus. All of this place, I command that every bondage be broken. Every bondage would be broken. Come on, pastor. Stretch your hand toward them. Come on. We've only got a few seconds. Stretch your hand toward these people. Come on, pastors. Stretch your hands toward them. Stretch your hand toward them. God, in the name of Jesus, every false love, every love that is a lie, every love, every love that is a darkness, every habit, everything, anything, free your people, oh God, in the name of Jesus. See this with me real quick before pastor comes. Lord, I receive your love. I'm not going to resist it. I'm not going to fight it. I receive it. Whatever you want from me, I say yes. I say yes here. I say yes now. Have your way. Come on, say it loud. Have your way. Shout it out. Have your way. Shout it out again. Have your way in my life in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated for a brief moment as you put your hands together. Come on. Did you get blessed and encouraged today? Hallelujah. Ushers, would you help us? We need to move quickly so we can open up our parking lot to allow for the 12 o'clock service to come. Ushers, please. I have a very dear friend. In fact, we have a mutual friend. His name is Dr. Bob Rogers, uh, Pastor Joshua Morocco, and Bishop Robert Hooks and myself. We were just at his church in uh, Kentucky and uh, had a powerful prophetic conference there. He says this, he says, the measure of a good offering is that everybody does something and obeys God. So come on, you just pray. This entirety of this offering will go towards Bishop Hooks. He's got oversight over 50 plus churches and God's using them there in Visalia, California. 
going to preach on Monday night. You don't want to miss Monday night as we close out our conference. Got a special word that he's going to preach on Monday night. You don't want to miss that. Again, if you're giving, you can use your, uh, your iPhone, your Android, your device to be able to give online or to give through the app. If you don't have that app, you can certainly get it. Text 77977. Text 277977. Text KC Wasilla. Amen. If you're online, you can participate. Just follow there at kcalaska.com. Ushers, would you come? Did you get encouraged? Amen. Father, we thank you for Bishop Robert Hooks, his wife, his children, his church, the call of God, Lord. blessing he is, Lord, to me and my family into this house. A real father. I thank you for open doors. I thank you for new opportunities. And the Lord is going to provide opportunities for you that go across denominational lines. It's already begun, but it's the very beginning. I see God bringing you into denominations, mainline denominations to be able to preach. You know how to you know how to turn it loose like you did this morning, but you know how to be all things to all people that you might win men. And I see God bringing you into some places that are as stiff as a board, stiff neck, dried up, tinder boxes, and the Lord's going to throw you like a firebrand in the midst of that. And he's going to pour out his spirit and he's going to touch people. And there'll be some kickback. And there'll see, be some breakthrough. You'll be deeply loved and, well, you know the rest of that. Thank you for this man of God. Bless him, God. Meet every need ministry and for him personally bless the gift and the giver now as we give into this marvelous soil even a hundredfold return in jesus name amen ushers would you go ahead come on somebody say praise the lord would you stand up on your feet please If you're not right with God, don't you leave this place without being reconciled to Him. Don't you leave this place without having your sins forgiven. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, won't you do it now? If you have given your heart to Jesus, but you know you drifted in your walk with Him, then why don't you come home today, right now? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus first time or make a recommitment, just pray this prayer right out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Come on, lift your hands to Jesus now. Say thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. 
Amen. Let me pray that God will fill you with his precious Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for this message on love. Now I pray, let your power, let your fire, let your anointing, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, come and fill and touch each and every one. Release miracles of healing. Be healed. Be free. Break every curse. Break every bondage. Suicidal thoughts go. Depression go. Anxiety go. Today, in the name of Jesus. And use us, Lord, to touch our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Take someone by the hand. Reach across the aisle. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. And give them peace. God bless you. Amen. So glad you came this morning. Don't miss tonight, 6 o'clock. One more service here in about 25 minutes. Monday night all day, Monday night.